What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode nine of season five. I'm your host, Kurt Field. And it's your boy, Dog, with your boy, Kurtai. And we are back at it again. Guess what, Kurt? I feel great. We can hear each other. There's no audio issues. And we're fucking ready to roll. Yeah. Uh, see, we did try this 24 <laughs> hours ago. We did. We really did give it a go. Um, it didn't go great. No. You know in Monopoly when it's like, do not pass, go, do not collect $200, go right to jail? We went to jail. Over and over again. Yeah. And then like we'd show signs of promise and like we thought we had it. And then all of a sudden, no, we didn't have it. Yeah. We landed on a hotel and we owed $1,000 in rent and we lost. Yeah. We, we uh sure. Yep. We got 18 <laughs> minutes into the podcast yesterday. Decided to stop because we we were having some difficulties. We're like, let's break this up. We broke it up. We got to a breaking point, and then we broke. So um, that sucks for us. Um, but here we are. I think Bruno, I'll speak. I don't want to speak for you, my my dear handsome friend, but mm. I will speak on on my behalf and say, mm. uh, I my brain was fried yesterday based on some of the things coming out of my mouth, and I just I couldn't <laughs> give it a go again. Yeah, Kurt, I yesterday was a long day. Not that today wasn't also a long day. You know, you've had yourself quite a day. But yesterday, I think the vibes were a little frazzled, you could say. Uh, you know, it, it, the vibes gave us the old razzle-dazzle, if you know what I mean. And today, we're giving the vibes the razzle-dazzle. That's just how it goes. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll peel back the curtain here like I like to do sometimes. And I was we were, we were off the air at this point last night. And I was trying to talk to Bruno, and I was like, we had an echo problem for mm-hmm. some reason, which we haven't had on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. And I'm recording it. I mean, I'm 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 looking at the thing in the software that we have to to edit it, and I'm like, Bruno, 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 like mute mute your computer, like it's it, right now, like. And you're like, what? I we're not. What's what are you talking about? I had a uh, a little bit of a brain fart where I thought his computer was somehow like controlling my computer, and <laughs> It didn't make any sense, but in my head at the time, it made all the sense in the world. Kurt, we don't, we're not really here to make sense. You know what I mean? That's not really one of our jobs. That's not on the job description. That's not our duty, responsibility, or obligation. We're just here to, you know, be us and talk. And, you know, you, there was some talking, there was some goofing. And then one thing after another, you know, there was no pod. But yeah, we're back. but we're back because you deserve us to be back. Yeah, of course. Of course. And, and like we're I happy said, to be back. The vibes, the vibes are better. I just told mm-hmm. Bruno my window is open. Bruno can see me on video. My window's yep. open. It's fifty-five degrees. It's a beautiful fall evening. It's not fall yet, but just take that for what it is. Sure. Um, and uh, I think we're ready to go, Bruno. 
and I were just talking in accents. So that tells you all you need to know about where we're headed tonight. Boy, the order of the peaky fucking blinders. I think we both had our Steve Irwin accents going on. Mm-hmm. I, I, so uh, <laughs> Steve Irwin might come out at some point during this. Bruno, I have a question for you. I have an answer for you. Do you have an alter ego? Uh, I've had many. Take that <laughs> for how you will. So I have when Kurt gets really drunk. Oh, boy. I have. A, a, a African-American man that comes out of me, and his name is Clydesdale. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> and Clydesdale's from Charleston. And oh, I start talking in this ridiculous southern drawl accent, and I can't I can't stop. And oh, Abby boy. is like, Kurt, <laughs> you, you need to stop. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, but Clydesdale said, so, I'm, oh, like, you know, I'm telling you, like, it becomes my entire person. I just did it again. I didn't oh. mean to. My Who am I talking to here? Who, who should I address you as right now? Yeah, it's Clydesdale. <laughs> um, and I, for the entire evening, just become this Southern gentleman who loves food in Charleston. Well, I can understand at least where you're coming from, Kurt. Um, duly noted. I'm going to put that in my brain and file that away for another specific time and date. Um, I don't know if I have something equivalent to that, Kurt, but I just, my brain just like, this is what I say all the time. And I feel like people don't understand this. I myself am not in charge. Like who's talking right now is not in charge. My brain decides everything. Like I'm just here for the ride. Like I don't really do any active decision-making. The brain is, my brain is just here and my brain's calling the shots. It's calling the plays. It's saying, do this, do that. I don't have any choice. I just do what it says. And so sometimes I'm talking like this. Sometimes I'm spreading Hebrew nonsense. I've known to just burst into Hebrew prayer at some times when I've been uh, a little too drunk. So, Kurt, I, I have no control over it. There's no alter ego. It's just my brain pushing buttons. That's fair. Uh, Bruno, uh, Yom Kippur is Monday. How are we feeling? Yes, Kurt, it is a uh, day where we say we are sorry. Um, you know, that isn't something I do a lot, but, you know, it's because I'm never wrong. So, sorry, not sorry. He's like I did there. Um, so, that's uh, uh, along that side of the spectrum for Jewish holidays. We just had Rosh Hashanah, which is the happy one, which is the Jewish New Year. Kurt, fun fact, uh, while you peasants, while you mortals, while you plebeians are living in the year 2023, catch me in the Jewish year 5,784. Just absolute. <laughs> fucking banana land that you are 3,000 years ahead of us right now. I mean, Kurt, not to toot my own horn. I am known to toot from time to time. Not to toot my own horn, Kurt. It kind of makes sense. I mean, listen, there's a reason why there's so much in my brain. It's because I'm 3,000 year olds wiser than everybody else. It makes perfect sense, Bruno, because um, (laughs) the Jonas Brothers are the only people I've Mm -hmm. ever known to have been to the year 3,000, and you've you've seen that 2,000 years ago. Kurt, let's just say I've been burning up this whole time. For me, for oh, me, baby, for you, baby. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that was nice. That was nice. Uh, so good. I need to learn more Jonas Brothers songs so yeah. we can have a pod where we just, you know, slide some of those bad boys in there. Oh, slide like Clyde, if you know what I mean. Oh, the Clyde's there. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh, well, let me tell you. Oh we're no! Not, we're, not, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. And <laughs> I, Kurt, we're Kurt, gonna try. Get it together. Get it together. <laughs> All right. All right, Bruno. Um, we got to go. We got to yep. go. We got it. We it's late. Go. It's yep. uh, it's a school night for, yep. for both sure. of us. Sure. Um, we haven't reached goofing hours yet, but uh, check back by the end of this podcast.
Yep, checkback or we'll be checkmate. One or the other. <laughs> Clydesdale's never checkmated. Oh. Um, <laughs> all right, Bruno, Clydesdale's out. <laughs> um, goodbye. <laughs> Kurt's not, I'm just watching Kurt try to control himself right now on the video. Kurt's, Kurt's doing his best. I'm, and I'm still calling him Kurt, so that's very telling. But when they start calling him Clyde, Clydesdale, whatever, that's when you know the pot has gone south. But for now, Kurt, I think we're, we're the vibes are good. At some point, sneak a Clyde or a Clydesdale's oh in at some, at some random point in the pot. And watch watch what happens to me for that oh, segment. No. Uh, Bruno, let's get right into it, man. We got some games to talk about from week two. We're recapping week two of the NFL season. And then the only place you can possibly start is last Thursday night. We had Vikings at the Eagles, Bruno. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles moved to 2-0. Jalen Hurts got this done on the ground with his little legs running for two touchdowns. He also tossed another one uh, in their 34-28 victory over the Vikings. Bruno, the game plan for this one, a little different than it was for the uh, in the Eagles and the Patriots game in week one. DeAndre Swift was featured in this game. He had 175 yards on the ground and a touchdown. The game plan for the Eagles in this one, run with DeAndre Swift, run with DeAndre Swift, run with Jalen Hurts, throw the ball as far as you possibly humanly can to Devontae Smith, Four catches, 131 yards. Game close on the scoreboard, but it just felt like the Eagles were in control the entire time. Yeah, good good uh, win for the Eagles. Again, I think we've been talking about this multiple times now. Vikings led the league last year in wins and win-loss record in close games. This season, they are 0-2 in close games, so we figured there would be some regression. Obviously, it remains to be seen yet this year what their full season is going to look like, but they drop another close game uh, in Week 2. Kurt, speaking of close games, this next game was not close. Uh, Bills-Raiders. You might have thought it was close early on. Raiders come down opening drive. Jimmy G, Mr. Handsome himself, hits Devonta Adams for a touchdown. You're like, oh, damn, okay, Raiders doing the damn thing. They promptly got outscored 38-3 to the rest of the game. The Bills needed a get-right game. They obviously lost against the Jets, who lost Aaron Rodgers four plays into the season. Last week, everybody was, sky was falling. It was a disaster. Josh Allen was like, oh, it's the same shit, different season, all that sort of stuff. Uh, he played great. He had four turnovers week one. He had zero in week two, threw for three touchdowns. James Cook had over 100 yards rushing. All that's all that really needs to be said is this is a get-right game for the Bills. And so they've had one horrible game. They've won one solid game. They got a rubber match coming up week three. We'll see what they look like. Big old-fashioned rubber match. And Bruno, for the Bills, a game they go down to Washington, the 2-0 Commanders. That is a game I am interested in. That is a game that I will have my uh, – has piqued my interest and <laughs> I will be fully uh, invested in. Bruno, a game that I was not fully invested in and could care less about. Uh, the Colts and the Texans, that's right. The two rookie quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud going head-to-head. -head. Uh, unfortunately, in this one for the Colts – Anthony Richardson gets hurt, gets a concussion in this game. But before he did, the boy was making plays for Indianapolis. Uh, he had, in just over a quarter, he had uh, two rushing touchdowns and also, you know, 60 yards throwing, 50-something yards on the on the ground. Like I said, those two touchdowns. So he was doing great, got the Colts out to a massive lead. Uh, Gardner Minshew comes in, Minshew Mania. He's in in relief, does what he needs to do. Colts get the job done on the road. They knock off the Texans 31-20. Absolutely, Kurt. Uh, picking right back up where you left off in terms of games that weren't the most relevant, we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers facing the Chicago Bears. And unfortunately for the Bears, yet another loss. Their 12th loss in a row dating back to last year. We won't mention what their last win is. We just simply do not need to talk about that. Um, what we should talk about, Baker Mayfield looking pretty good. He threw for 317 and a touchdown. Mike Evans, all that drama with him about before the season, he won a contract extension, didn't reach an agreement with the Bucks. He just casually 
has another six catches for 171 yards. So he's just absolutely popping off. Good to see from him. Again, good win for the Bucks. The takeaway is more than for the Bears. We have the luxury today of recording later in the week, maybe a little bit than we nor normally would. They're, not only have the Bears not played well at all, not only have they just lost 12 games in a row, not only have the questions increased each week about Justin Fields, but then apparently today there was just an absolute shitstorm with the Bears. Not only Justin Fields was quoted being like, I'm playing robotic because that's how they're coaching me. So basically throwing the coaches under the bus. He later came back like later today and was like, I didn't mean to do that. It's all on me. I'm a leader, blah, blah, blah. But it definitely just felt like they told him to say that. His, his first quote seemed more like how he's actually feeling. And then also there's been all this shit about their defensive coordinator, who I'm hearing is apparently in some serious shit. There were rumors that like the FBI was raiding the Bears place. They He resigned like earlier and they were like oh he's focusing on his health and his family but every report i've seen is like he, there's some serious shit going on so kurt maybe i would just also like to take a quick second do you know any more have you heard this do you know any more about the situation because i haven't been able to figure out like what's actually going on uh, bruno i have no idea that justin fields quote though i mean that caught fire yeah uh, i mean and it was not a good good quote it was basically saying he was playing robotic and they asked why and he goes uh it could be the coaching I was like, uh, what did he say? <laughs> yeah. You don't really misinterpret that one. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't. Uh, and then he's like, I'm not blaming the coaches. I need to play better. I was like, well, which yeah. which one is it, sir? And yeah, and then the FBI raided the house of the defensive coordinator saying there were some serious things in the house and he will never coach an NFL game ever, ever again. That sounds not good. Um, Bruno, I don't know. I don't know what to do or think about that. Yeah, we're going to leave that one. And again, as much as the Patriots have caused us headaches this year, we're just going to be happy that the Bears aren't our team. Yes, we, but they were our, the last win for the Bears. Um, yeah, so Kurt, I was trying not to bring that up. Well, I brought it up, Bruno. I did. <laughs> I brought it up. Okay. Uh, Bruno, we're moving right along here to uh, a game that, you know, we, we, we picked in the pick six. Thought it had some positive implications. Thought it could be a really good game. Um, it wasn't. It, it was not. Uh, Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones made their triumphant return back to the lineup for the Chiefs, who went on the road to Jacksonville and got a 17-9 victory. Uh, but it was very ugly, like, grinded out. Not what you're used to seeing from the Chiefs' uh, offense. But nonetheless, a win is a win is a win. Uh, Bruno... Travis Kelsey did find the end zone on one of those improv plays from Patrick Mahomes. So like that was nice to see if you're a Chiefs fan. But it just constantly has felt through, again, two weeks, not a lot of time. But in those two weeks, we've just come to expect so much from Kansas City. We haven't seen it. And it just feels like we're waiting for them to take off, and they haven't done so yet. Yeah, I, Kurt, personally, I'm not sad about that. Um, I'm quite okay with the Chiefs being a little poopy doopy, if you know what I mean. Um, it feels weird to see because we're so used to seeing the Chiefs like everything clicking, but maybe everything's finally caught up with them. Again, that would be a real shame if the Chiefs couldn't get it together this year. I would be very, very sad about that. I'd be heartbroken. Yeah, heartbroken. Um, Kurt, someone who's not heartbroken is Brock Purdy because literally all he's done since he's come into the league is literally just win, 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 no matter what. Kurt, got to give you some credit here. You called it on the pod before the season saying the 49ers are going to be one of the best teams, not only the NFC, but maybe the NFL. And... All I said to you at that time was, I'm not a Brock Purdy believer. He has to prove it again. He was coming off like that elbow or arm or whatever injury, shoulder injury this offseason, whatever it was. 
he's looked great through three games. Again, the 49ers have the luxury of being a team that doesn't need him to be a superstar to win. It's not like he's, I'm not saying he's only a game manager. He's definitely played well, but like they don't need him to be that superstar quarterback. He's played really well. He threw for 200 yards uh, and a touchdown in this game against the Rams. They win 30 to 23. The other story about the 49ers has been their defense. They pick off Matt Stafford twice late in the game to like hold on to the win. And so that's a big win for the 49ers. The Rams looked, looked decent week one. Um, you know, on the 49ers side, uh, they had, uh, obviously they have a good history against the Rams, but you know, you still never know with divisional games. Christian McCaffrey right now, knock on wood, not injured. And not only is he not injured, he's looking fantastic. Uh, so that's great. Kurt, the one thing I just wanted to throw out there for the Rams, have you heard the electric name on the Rams, Puka Nakua? Puka Nakua, yeah, I just picked him up in a different league, not our league. But yeah, he, yeah. uh, the number two ranked, uh, wide receiver in the NFL right now. Yeah, he's had like Cooper Cup numbers while Cooper Cup is injured. So that's a little awkward situation where it's like, oh, well, Cooper Cup, take your time because we got Puka Nakua. So, Bruno, I think he might have played at the University of San Diego. Oh. Um, that Shut also that could just be a lie. I, I don't know that to be true. Um, but one of the kids I used to coach mm-hmm. who played football at the University of San Diego okay. uh, is like boys with him. Like boys and like they're tagging each other on insert like oh, boy, damn. and I'm like this is very very interesting. So I'm like I'm gonna have to get a um, uh, a puka uh, shirt or something here. All time name, Kurt. I love it. Go puka. Go puka. Uh, yeah. What is this? Where does this say where he's? I'm, I'm seeing Washington for two years and BYU, but BYU. BYU for two years. But that's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's out there. I don't know. I I'll have to ask Sam because <laughs> it's out there. It's, it's on the West Coast somewhere. It's on the West Coast. It's close <laughs> enough. I'll have to ask Sam. Um, but yeah. the 49ers again, the, a big win on the road. The Rams have surprised me through two weeks, Bruno. They really have. They've they've they were supposed to be, I thought, like kind of a doormat this year, and they have not been that. But a team that will be a doormat this year, it appears. After all the hype, all the hype. About oh, the Super Bowl boy. and Aaron Rodgers, has it set in? I'm going to ask the masses, the masses here. Has it set in for the New York Jets fans that you have to watch an entire season of Zach Wilson play quarterback for your team again? The same team that went seven and ten last year with the elite defense and the playmakers and Zach Wilson. I'm just, I'm just asking. But now you have a tougher <laughs> schedule. I'm just asking. Has it set oh, in yet? Boy. Because I'm. It, <laughs> It might have started to set in this week as Zach Wilson threw three interceptions in Dallas as the Cowboys stomped the Jets 30 to 10. Bruno, in two games now, Cowboys have played the Giants, beat them 40 to nothing, and the Jets and beat them 30 to 10. They are up 70 to 10 on New York. How for real is Dallas, may I ask you, my friend? Kurt, I mean, without a doubt, two impressive wins, like literally without a doubt. Um, I don't know if we're going to answer that question until they have maybe the most hype matchup of the entire NFL in week four, Cowboys at the Patriots, um, or maybe, sorry, Patriots at the Cowboys. Um, somewhat kidding. They're playing the Cardinals week three, so I expect their ridiculous like uh, net points to continue. They're going to outscore the Cardinals by a fuck ton. Who knows about Patriots week four, but Kurt, they play the 49ers week five, and that will be a spicy, spicy matchup. Both those teams could be 4-0, and and that could be a battle for like top of the NFC in week five, so that's going to be yeah. electric. But like you said, the Patriots play them in week four in Dallas. And most likely, Dallas will have outscored their opponents like 100 <laughs> to like 17. Yeah, probably. So, uh, fantastic news for the Patriots. Yeah, fantastic news for the Patriots. I'm looking forward to it. 
Um, Kurt, speaking of teams that can score, neither of these next two teams have scored as much as the Cowboys because they kind of are stinky poo-poo. Not puka, poo-poo. I'm talking Saints and Panthers, Kurt. Uh, this was the early Monday Night Football game on Monday this week. It's always electric having two Monday Night games. What wasn't electric was this game. Saints 20, Panthers 17. I guess if you're a fan of seeing, you know, Derek Carr do some Derek Carr stuff, I guess if you wanted to see Bryce Young, who got injured, and I don't know what his status is for the Panthers, you got a little bit of that. It wasn't a very memorable game, wasn't a very pretty game. At the end of the day, uh, the Saints, you know, kicked a couple field goals, made some clutch plays. Chris Olave is popping off for them. They played really well. Bryce Young struggling a little bit, but again, he's on the Panthers. So that makes sense. So Kurt, Saints 20, Panthers 17. I ain't really got too much else to say about that game. Yeah, why would you? It's the it was it was the scum of the earth. Um, <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I said what I said. So Saints are two and <laughs> like congrats, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. A relevancy all over the place in that game. Bruno, Achieve. in the second Monday night football game, the only proclamation I have to say when talking about the Browns at the Steelers is the steel curtain is so back. T.J. Watt and that Pittsburgh defense scored two touchdowns. They scored more points than the offense did in this one, and they come out with a 26-22 come-from-behind victory over the Browns on Monday Night Football. Biggest storyline in this one has nothing to do with the overall score. It has to do with Nick Chubb injuring his knee so badly that he's not only done for the year, doctors are worried that he is done for his entire playing career, um, which is a brutal blow to an offense that's just kind of pedestrian. Um, but with that being said, Kareem Hunt has now entered the chat and he is going back to Cleveland to be the lead back probably for the Browns. So like good for them that they have a, they have a, a someone that they knows the system and is back, but it's really tough to replace Mr. Full Chubb. Yeah, yeah, they and they certainly aren't full chubb over there, Kurt, especially for a Browns team that Deshaun Watson has looked extremely mediocre. They have not really looked good on offense, and losing one of the best running backs in the NFL certainly is not going to be great for them, Kurt. So, yeah, tough, uh, tough scene for the Browns. Kurt, are you ready to jump into some slightly more interesting games that maybe we can talk a little bit longer? We've kind of reached the end of the of the short recaps a little bit. Maybe uh, are we ready to dive into some longer recaps? I'm about to dive in. Yeah. Like that. I like that. The Frank Ocean. Um, that's Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean underrated. I don't. I don't think I like everything that he's ever put out, but he definitely has some underrated songs. That's not someone who always comes up as like you know an artist that people really like. Um, people forget you're a big Khalid fan. People forget. Uh, people forget massive. Also, he needs to put out more music. Yeah, bro. What's going on? He 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 got like he reached the top so early that maybe it's just one of those things where he's like, holy shit, I'm too, he's so young. But I don't know. He was a spring concert at UConn, and like he was. Wow. <laughs> Like, I was all about it. It's not necessarily like the, the vibes for spring concert necessarily. I thought he gave a great show, but again, like that's more like a right. he's more chill than like let's fucking go, you know? Yeah, no, I I completely agree. More chill, Kurt. I just looked this up while you were talking. How old do you think Khalid is? A twenty-eight. Twenty-five. I almost said five. I, I, it felt like you were going to say 25. Kurt, that spring concert was what? Like, I don't uh, want to be, yeah, this is going to make me sad. Like, 18? So he was like a college student age doing a spring concert at UConn. Well, at least he showed up because little Uzi Vert didn't the year <laughs> before, so. Yeah, shout out. Yeah, shout out. So listen, shout out Khalid. Uh, Kurt, I, I don't really know how to transition off of Khalid and onto sports, but you know, we're going to, we're going to sports it up and we're going to try. You ready well, to try? Yeah, I'm ready for you to give it a try, but I do just need to do one plug here for a second. Uh, the song oh, OTW, On The Way, 
uh, by Khalid uh, Six Black and Ty Dolla Sign is one of my favorite songs maybe ever. Uh, and it's vastly underrated. So go, shameless plug, go listen to that. I have That has a lot of plays on the Bruno playlist for sure. Um, Kurt, speaking of a lot of plays, football games have a lot of plays. And this next football game... What a fucking uh, That was pretty good. That was pretty good, I'm not going to lie. Kurt, this next game... Bunch of takeaways for a bunch of different reasons. What was the game I'm talking about, Kurt? We got Ravens 27, Bengals 24. You can talk about this game from a bunch of different angles, and we're going to break it down for you, Kurt. So, coming into this game, let's just set the scene really quick. The Ravens had beat up on a shitty Texans team week one. Who really cares about that win? The Bengals got smoked by the Browns in week one, when now in context of how the Browns looked in week two, that doesn't really look any better for the Bengals. I'm not going to lie to you. People were wondering how Joe Burrow was going to look and how the offense was going to look. People were running for the Ravens. You know, J.K. Dobbins was hurt week once. Now it was like Gus Edwards. They were wondering what was going to happen there. Kurt, what happened in the actual game? I would say the Ravens, they had an actually decently balanced offensive attack, even without J.K. Dobbins. Uh, they rushed for uh, 178, which Lamar definitely contributed to. They threw for 237, so that was solid. They also lost OBJ during the game, uh, and so Patriots legend Nelson Aguilar stepped up for the Ravens. That's a disgusting sentence to say. Um, so not only was he doing the damn thing, so was Mark Andrews. Again, the Ravens looked solid. They have a lot of injuries, both on offense and on defense, but they looked pretty solid and got a huge divisional dub. The bigger story by far, Bengals 0-2. Jamar Chase, pretty much a complete non-factor this game. Joe Burrow hurt his calf like at some point in this game re-injured that same calf injury he said at the start of this week people were like he could be out for a little bit i've heard he's maybe going to be ready for monday night maybe not i don't know officially if they know yet if they don't it's jake browning washington legend who i just remember seeing play at washington and what that year they snuck in as number four to play alabama in the college football playoff and they lost like 72 to nothing i just remember being like oh jake browning great game dude uh, so he's playing for the Bengals if Joe Burrow can't play. So, Kurt, again, it's a good win for the Ravens with all the injuries and everything going on. For the Bengals, it seemed like they woke up in the second half, but it was a little too late. Like, you can't just shit the bed in a half and then always turn around the second half. Maybe some other teams this week did that, but not the Bengals. Kurt, my question for you, the Bengals at 0-2, almost certainly going to be 0-3 if Jake Browning plays in Week 3. They're playing the Rams, who, like, are good enough to beat the Bengals with no Joe Burrow. Kurt, are you worried about the Bengals? Let's assume that Joe Burrow is not out for a long time. At most, he misses one game or he plays this week. Let's assume that. What do you think about their season at being at 0-2? Um, I don't think we've reached like DEFCON 1 yet, but like if they drop the game, that they, I think they have the Rams this week. And like yeah. I said, the Rams are not a bad football team. They're, they've been surprising people to start the year. Uh, the If they drop this one and they look as pedestrian as they have on offense. You know, like, no one talks about the Bengals' defense as this <clears throat> prolific, you know, machine. You talk about the Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, you know, repertoire offensively. If they can't get going again in three weeks into the season, maybe you start to wonder if it was, like, a little premature to crown them the cream of the crop. Uh, in the AFC. So it's something that you have to watch, um, have to pay attention to. I don't love the matchup for them this week. And I, I do think uh, an 0-3 start is very much on the table. It's just been kind of shocking to see how poorly Joe Burrow has played with that cast of characters and those weapons around him. So we we will find out, my friend. But uh, it, I think panic is starting to set in in Cincinnati. Panic at the disco. Facts, brother. Um Bruno, 
There was a team this week who was down, and they did not panic at the disco. They came, they yeah. came storming back, storming back. Bruno, I'm talking about those goddamn dirty birds from the <laughs> ATL. Bruno, they were down 24 to 12 uh, going into the fourth quarter, and they had this improbable comeback uh, to beat the Go Pack Go, 25 to 24. Uh, game was played in Atlanta. Little home cooking, little, home, little magic in the ATL. I sometimes mock teams for taking first round running backs. Yeah, my boy, Bijan Robinson, is having the goddamn start of all starts for running backs. Um, I have him on my, one of my fantasy teams, and my team name is Two Infinity and Bijan. And oh, I love that. Thank you. And he is carrying at the moment. So uh, he had another great, great game. But most importantly, massive fourth down <clears throat> on the game-winning drive for uh, Atlanta. Gets them down into field goal range, uh, which led to a nice little uh, a game-winning field goal from not only one of our favorite players, but our, our dear friend, Brett LeClaire's favorite <laughs> player in the NFL, Young Hoku. That is right. <laughs> Mr. Ku. Bangs one through the uprights to send Falcons fans home happy. Uh, Bruno, big win for the Atlanta at home. They moved to 2-0. Three teams in the NFC South now are 2-0. Yep. Packers right there in this game. My question is, hmm, you're up 12 going into the, the fourth quarter against a team who <clears throat> can't really throw the football um, like super effectively. Desmond Ritter, not bad. I wouldn't say he's good. I wouldn't say he's bad. I'm saying he's a game manager, which is exactly what he is. But it's worked for Atlanta so far. I think we might look back at this game and be like, ooh, like, you know, call it week 10 when the Packers are sitting there at, you know, five and four or whatever, whatever they might be. It's like, ah, shit. Like, did we let one slip away? Did we let one slip away? Maybe they did. What should be said, no Christian Watson, no Aaron Jones uh, this week. Uh, and then I, they had, you know, injuries piling up, yada, yada, yada. David Bakhtiari, does he not play on turf? I Does he play? And then, like, I don't think I realized this, but like, I guess for the last year, he doesn't play on turf. Oh, I don't, I didn't know that that was like an active thing. Me either. But that's huh. like, it kind of came out last week. He just doesn't play on turf. I'm like, holy shit. Okay. So, uh, any turf games, congratulations. You're going to beat the Packers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Kurt, I, I think you said it perfectly there. This is a game the Packers are going to look back on and let they, they let slip, um, let slip and get away. So, good win for the, uh, the birds and the ATL. Kurt. Speaking of letting things slip away, same shit, different season for the L.A. Chargers. And yes, I remembered L.A., not San Diego this time. Kurt, the Chargers, we thought they had exercised their demons last year, making the playoffs. Justin Herbert, he gets a big extension. They get all these pieces on offense. They have Joey Bosa leading in solid defense, uh, except LOL JC Jackson. Not looking too great at the Chargers over there. Um, shout out the Patriots for maximizing the talent there. Kurt. This year, this week, game two, sorry, this game in week two, they play the Titans, and we put this on our pick six, and we posed the question, do we pick the Chargers because of all their talent, or do we pick the Titans because Mike Rabel's got the boys playing well? We both chose not to remember the Titans, and we both will not be remembered for that pick, because the Titans went in overtime, and Kurt, my god, man, the Chargers blow not one, not two, not three, but four different leads as the Titans eventually take the lead in the fourth quarter which meant the chargers had to tie up in their overtime and then the titans were the one who kicked the game winning field goal in overtime by my i add nick folk who kurt uh that this might be an explain it to bruno but we traded him and he's been like the best kicker in the nfl so quick side up for continue why question mark so because bill belichick traded up 
draft a kicker in the in the fifth round of the NFL draft this year, you can't cut a kicker you trade up for in the fifth round. But like Bill Belichick should have never made that pick because right. we had Nick Folk, who was the best kicker in the NFL for like the last two years. He made like yeah. some, like fifty something straight field goals from inside fifty yards, and we were like, "No, you're good. You can go." And we traded for him for like a seventh round pick. I'm like, well, that was fucking stupid. So, uh, yeah. yeah, he's he's still kicking game winners. Um, and uh, he's living in folklore mm. down there. I like that. Thanks, brother. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, again, I guess you can say the Chargers for this one. They didn't have Austin Eckler. Again, one of the best running backs in the NFL. So, again, sure, you can definitely say that. But they still, again, they had great stats. Herbert's passing line was still insane. He threw for 300 plus yards. He had like three touchdowns. Keenan Allen. Uh, turn back the clock he had a, a pop-off game it just came down to the fact that they just couldn't execute you know when they needed to they had drives where they got yards they you know converted their downs all that sort of stuff but they couldn't finish they couldn't execute and maybe it was the fact that they're up four different times but they just couldn't they like maybe they were like oh yeah we'll just be up the whole game uh no it's about 60 minutes sometimes even more than that considering it went to overtime and they just didn't know how to do that i will say for the titans Ryan Tannehill looked god-awful in week one. Not that he looked like a superhero in this game, but he definitely had a bounce-back game for Ryan Tannehill standards. Derrick Henry did his thing. But, Kurt, I think where I'm coming down, my last takeaway from this game is I think this is where I'm coming to. This is just such a clear example to me of what coaching means in the NFL, right? You have Brandon Saley on one time, who's been with the Chargers. It's not like he's new. He's been a head coach before. He has all the experience. competent boob. Right exactly and it's like he has so much talent on that team he's had s- multiple seasons now to try to figure out what's going on and again this is just the same shit the chargers always do and meanwhile we all laugh at the titans because they have fucking ryan Tannehill, who's old and bad they have derrick henry who's putting miles and miles and miles on his legs like how long is he gonna be able to run the ball they're trading away aj brown like they did the previous year so it's like we laugh at the titans and yet somehow mike Rabel has them ready to roll every single week so Again, that's just a, a classic game where you can really see the impact that coaching has on, on teams in the NFL. Nope, no doubt. Bruno, question for you right now in this moment. Right now, gun to your head. Right here. Here it is. I'm holding it in the video. Right to your head. Uh, Mike Vrabel as head coach of the Patriots or Bill Belichick? Right now, go. <sighs> Kurt, he literally outcoached Bill in that playoff game. So oh, I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt, I would say. You know what else the fuck he did? Out. You know what else he did? He signed DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, also that. Yeah, he convinced him to play there. Kurt, obviously Bill's got the whole career, but moving forward, there's no reason to pick Bill. We pick Bill because he's been with the Patriots forever. Obviously, based on current results or recent results, it's Mike Vrabel all day. We will get there. I am so over Bill Belichick. Oh, shit. Oh, it just got spicy. Yeah, it sure fucking did. Clydesdale's going to come out when he talks about Bill. Oh, no. Bruno, <laughs> an, we had a big, a big matchup. In Detroit this weekend, uh, you know, Lions riding high off of beating the the reigning Super Bowl champs on the road in the first game of the NFL season. Um, <clears throat> it's a game that we picked uh, on the pick six, a uh, little Seahawks at Lions, and um, we both um, might have uh, picked mm, the Lions. And damn, no, wrong. <laughs> Seahawks win 37-31 OT. Seahawks yeah. got their shit together, Bruno. They played much, yep. much better than they did in week one. Geno Smith, dating back to last year, not a bad quarterback in the NFL, Bruno. Someone in the NFC you have to take for for real. He is playing his butt off. Seahawks defense was balling out in this one. Not not talking Legion of Boom days, but they had, another, mm-hmm. they had a pick six, um, and they did blow a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter to have the game go to overtime, but they got the job done against a Lions, a Lions team that – 
I think a lot of people are thinking are going to go to the playoffs this year. Um, yeah. On the flippity flop of that, um, perhaps, perhaps mm-hmm. Alliance might have read a little too much into some of the, the newspaper clippings or some of the RT Coles written about them uh, over the last week because they did not play very well in this game. Dan Campbell, all he does in his entire NFL coaching career has been an aggressive son of a bitch. He's you know, fake punts on, in the first quarter. Like mm-hmm. The man doesn't give no shits. But then um, he has a chance to try to go win the game at the end of regulation. And he 100% just played for a tie and i was like hmm you know you have a mom ross st brown you have jared goff you have some of these playmakers you have jameer gibbs mm, you have a shot to go win this game and they didn't really take it and in the end bruno hindsight 2020 that shit blew up right in their face yeah kurt even uh even my hindsight is 2020 as i like to say so listen the lions had one great game had one bad game again a lot of rubber match talk this week their rubber match will be next week let's get some consistency out of those lines and see how they're doing that's fact kurt, dude. I, hear, I hear you wholeheartedly on that we hear we hear kurt speaking of consistency uh the giants the new york football giants they don't have that so speaking of consistency they don't have that but kurt you know what they do have they do have a one-on-one record it didn't look like that when they played the Arizona Cardinals this week, who might be the worst team in the NFL. Again, must be said, Kyler Murray is still out recovering from his torn ACL or whatever it is last year. So Josh Dobbs is starting for the Cardinals, and my God, they look terrible. Kurt, in the first half, they were up 20 to nothing against the Giants, which is fucking hilarious. Not only is it hilarious they scored 20 points and a half, it's hilarious that the Giants scored zero. They were, Kurt, outscored 60 to nothing through the first 10 quarter uh, for the first six quarters of their season which is absolutely fucking hilarious if you're not a giants fan it was glorious crazy glorious yeah it was glorious and people were clowning on them it was awesome it was about to be an absolute great scene and then to their credit they did wake up in the second half and kurt they we went on a 31 to 8 run in the second half and they came all the way back to win 31 to 28 so there's some good and they're bad here the first half all bad the second half danny dimes kind of woke up he rushed for, I think, two touchdowns. He threw a touchdown. Saquon scored a couple of touchdowns. They they were looking much, much better, especially offensively in the second half. Saquon did get hurt. I don't think he's out long-term, maybe one to three weeks or something like that. Uh, but I think the, the Giants fans were happy that their uh, team actually woke up in the second half and got this dub. Kurt, I think the thing that we all need to think about moving forward is... Are the Giants from the second half what we're going to see moving forward? Or is it going to be more inconsistencies where they have a 20 to nothing deficit and they have to rally back? I don't know if you and I have the answers. I don't know if the Giants themselves have answers. Brian Dayball certainly doesn't know right now. But I think if you're the Giants, yeah, it's a good win. But you needed a crazy comeback to beat the Cardinals. So let's not get crazy here. Uh, Bruno, the Giants, hmm, I don't know how I want to put this. I believe in Brian Dayball. I don't believe in the Giants. I don't, yeah. like, but again, like they, they were a playoff team last year who right. I think we both picked to beat the Vikings in the first round, and they did do that. So like, yeah. they've proven they can do it, but then they have the games like last week and the first half of this week, and it's like, I just don't – I don't know if I trust them. And mm. that's what it comes down to. Now Saquon's sideline for a couple weeks. I don't know, yeah. Bruno. It could be tough sledding for the Giants this year. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Bruno, in a game that um, was like, again uh, – hand up your boy has had a awful start to pick six this year bruno is beating me two weeks in a row bruno i did crunch some stats and i you will see mm. this in the pick six graphic all right okay there are only 
we've done this is year three, I believe. Yep. Of pick six, uh, four. Yeah. Uh, four. Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. Four's up. Four. No, it's four. Um, <laughs> you have. This is no disrespect. It's, I know where this is going, Kurt. It's gonna be bad. Just why don't you just say it? Why don't you just say it? Kurt? You have only beat me straight up in five of oh. those weeks. Oh my god, Kurt, that is okay. There has to have been a decent amount of ties. I've definitely tied some. Yeah, no, there have been, but I'm saying you've beaten me <laughs> straight up five times. You're two oh, for two man. to start this year, Kurt. That's a depressing stat, but much like Dan Campbell, I'm being aggressive this year. I, we ain't no puppies with some dogs. Well, I'm making some dumb picks, but one of the picks I didn't make that was dumb, Bruno, I took the commies. I shouldn't have said yeah. that. I took the You're commanders. Um, You're a commie, confirmed. <laughs> over, the, over the Broncos. I wonder if Kyle is Over the Broncos at Mile High. Oh, man. Bruno, Broncos, 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 buddy. Up 21-3 to early. I had penciled this in as a loss and for the pick six for myself. And I was like, Kurt, you are in some serious trouble this week. Yeah. Um, but then all of a sudden, the Washington Commanders, like, yes, the Commanders with Sam Howell as our starting quarterback, go on a 32-3. to Boring one. And Bruno, they come storming back. Broncos down late, down eight points late in the game. You think it's over. Commanders have completely flipped the script in this game. Russ... I don't know if he had that good sex with Sierra before the game now that he can do that, but like he channeled something pretty crazy in these last couple seconds. 50-yard Hail Mary, time expires, caught. Denver fans are going nuts. Russell's going nuts. Sean Payton's looking confident. Everything's like, you know, we're right there. We're back in this bitch. We're going to get his two-point conversion. We're going to go to OT. We're going to dub. Er, wrong. Can't convert on the two-point conversion. Aruno, with that being said, a little bit controversial on that two-point conversion. Mm. Many people are saying DPI. I'm saying bang, bang, play. Fuck you, Sean Payton. That's what I'm saying. So, again, Commanders get a 35-33 victory. Uh, I will say this, Bruno. When they were up 18 points early in the game, Russell Wilson was cooking. It was that back to like that let yeah. Russ cook scenario. Yeah. But then, I mean, the Washington Commanders took control of this game with that defense, which we've said on this podcast, is is, is an elite defense, and they yeah. ran the football. Brian Robinson, you know, people forgot he got shot. And he's yeah. come back, and he's been a really steady back now for a year and a half. They couldn't contain him. It was a really good a really good job by Eric Bieniemy, Sam Howell, Brian, Johnson, uh, Brian Robinson. They came all the way back. They made the plays they had to in this one. And Bruno, Broncos now sitting at 0-2. Both games this year, they've showed flashes of good play, but then at the end, can't get the job done. And um, mm. it unfortunately reminds me of another 0-2 team in the AFC that um, oh. we will not talk uh, about uh, for like one more minute, and then we're going to talk about them. <laughs> yeah, Kurt, I will say I picked the Broncos this game. I was feeling good early, uh, and then that was one of those things. I was watching that Hail Mary at the end of the game. It was madness. It didn't reach the end zone, his throw. It got tipped off like three different people. You know, you're supposed to either bat it down or whatever. People were just flopping that ball all over the place, flopping like a fish. And some dude in the end zone, I don't even remember who it was, just snagged it. So that was crazy. Kurt, Commanders, they're 2-0. and It was Ron Rivera's 100th NFL win, but they're 2-0 and against the Cardinals and Broncos. So we shall see. And now they got the Bills at home. Good luck, children. <sighs> Bruno. Bruno. Kurt, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Kurt, 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 Kurt. What? Uh, what? What? Which? Which 
entity doesn't want to do it more? The commanders playing the bills or you playing the bill? Me playing the bill. <laughs> playing the bill. <laughs> not keeping it real. <laughs> no, keep not playing the field. <laughs> oh, fuck me. All right, bitch. Well, here we go. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm in a low place when it comes to the 2023 New England Patriots. I'm going to kick it to you because I think I'm going to talk for a while if I just start right now. I need your 30,000 foot overall thoughts on where the Patriots are after two games being 0-2 and having chances to win both of them late. Where where do you currently sit with this with this team? Where I currently sit with this team, Kurt, is the worst possible place. And I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but let's just take my overarching thoughts. In the NFL, you can probably be placed in one of three categories. You can be the good teams who are fighting for the playoffs and they're a good team. You can be awful and you're tanking and you're trying to get a good draft pick or you could be a mess somewhere in the middle where you're not even really accomplishing one or the other and you're making the chances of both of those equally bad kurt we're too talented to be doing this but yet here we are sitting at zero and two and we're kind of going to be a middling team because we've seen flashes of a team that could make a playoffs run like could make the sorry make a run to the playoffs this year like that's a the talent level is there but there's no consistency and there hasn't been enough coaching. So my overarching view is I'm looking down at these Patriots middling in this average zone that really is not going to accomplish anything that we want moving forward because that's not going to be necessarily good for playoffs or bad enough to get a good draft pick unless things change. I think you're spot on. You usually are, but I think you're spot on. Here's where I am with this team. It's very simple, Bruno. And I think you'll like this. As a simple guy, you'll I'm like this. Guy. This is who they are. Mm. Like, this is not like a flash in the pan. Like, oh, like, they're they're normally a clean team who is going to win these games. No. No, they're not. Because dating back to last year, what has this Patriots team done to prove to you that they can win the close games? Win the big games. Win the games that matter. Bruno, we've we've been through it. It's not like a goddamn broken record. The Vegas game last year. Mm-hmm. You choke away. You have a chance to win it, you lose. The Bengals game the next week. You have a chance to win it late. You can't do it, you lose. Week one this week, you have a chance to win it late. You should have won it late. You didn't, you lose. This week against Miami, you shoot yourself in the foot over and over and over again, yet somehow you're still in the game. You have a chance to tie and go to overtime, and you don't, and you lose. It's it's not it's not a flash in the pan anymore. It's a pattern, and it shows this is who they are. They're not a team who's well-coached anymore. Well, not consistently well-coached. Let's put it that right. way. Right. Because I don't think it's Bill O'Brien's fault. I don't think it's Steve Belichick's fault. I don't think it's Gerard Mayo's fault. I think... So much of the blame needs to be put 
at the feet of Bill Belichick. And don't get me wrong. I think he is the greatest coach in NFL history. Having him and Tom Brady made for the best two decades of my goddamn life. But now, as we sit here in year four after Tom Brady, you can consistently point to Bill Belichick has screwed things up over and over and over again. So much so that I think Bill Belichick is the reason the Patriots are 0-2. Now, that's not entirely fair because Bill Belichick is not the one out there throwing a silly interception. He's not Ezekiel Elliott fumbling. He's not DeMario Douglas fumbling. That's not Bill, that's not Bill Belichick doing those things. But some of the blame needs to be put at Bill Belichick's feet, like I said, most of it, because this is the product he's given us in the sense that, hey, Bill, it's 2023. You watched this game alone this week, the Miami Patriots game. <clears throat> it is a microcosm of how the game has slowly passed Bill Belichick by. You have that shit-eating grin dweeb on the Miami sideline, Mike McDaniel, who put on a master class of new age football, RPOs, late motions, all sorts of shit that like the NFL, I, I know I'm a rather dramatic person, like hand up, I do know that. Mike McDaniel is changing the game of football. Like this Dolphins offense is something nobody has ever seen before. That's how that's how different this is. And then you have Bill Belichick, who is so stubborn that he refuses to go out and get a playmaker or do anything to really help his football team. You know what Bill Belichick did this year? He went out and he traded John Smith away. Fine. Replaced with Mike Kosicki. Fine. I like that. I like that a lot. You let Jacoby Myers leave. You bring in Juju Smith-Schuster, Bruno, I don't know about you, through two weeks, he ain't looking great. He looks no. slow. That knee looks like it is going to explode at any time. Yeah. You have a chance. You have a golden opportunity to sign one of the best receivers in the NFL over the last 10 years. I'm not saying DeAndre Hopkins is going to come in here and be a goddamn all-pro, but he's going to be a lot better than what you fucking have. Bill Belichick's like, nah, too too expensive. And really, he wasn't too expensive. It was just Bill being stubborn and not doing anything to support his team. Now, Bruno, Mac Jones is a rather polarizing figure in Boston sports these days. I just need to I need to get something off my chest. And I'm gonna say this on my chest. Okay. <clears throat> Mac Jones is not the problem. Mm -hmm. He's not the problem. Bruno, he's had he's had listen, the interception he threw to Devontae Parker this week was bad. That was a bad throw. A really bad throw. But if you look at what Mac Jones has been given this year and what he has done. With what he has, it is really goddamn impressive. Mac Jones is on pace to throw for 4,700 yards, way more than he's ever thrown for, 
34 touchdowns, and he doesn't have a wide receiver number one, and the offensive line has been atrocious. Yet people still are saying he's the problem. Now, with that being said, I think Bill O'Brien's done a very good job with Mac Jones. But, Bruno, here's where you lose me. I just talked about that Miami offense being prolific. They can score on any play at any time all throughout the game. What are the New England Patriots on offense? Listen, we got two tight ends. We got a good running back, and we have a pretty okay quarterback. We have no receivers who can separate, and we're going to have to go 12 play drives, yada, 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 and try to score and be perfect for a full drive. That's really hard to do in the NFL. Phil Perry said it perfectly after the game. He's like, what the Patriots are missing is they don't have a guy who can take the ball to the end zone on any given play. And I'm not saying every team has that, but a lot of the good ones do. Now, Bruno, I have two more stats for you, then I'm going to shut the fuck up for a second. Stat number one, Bruno, and this is a good, this is a mind-numbing stat for me because okay. the Patriots are 0-2 right now, but they could so easily, like I'm not, not fabricating, so easily be 2-0 against yeah. two good teams in the Eagles yeah. and the Dolphins. I'll say it. They're, they're good teams, but the Patriots should have won both games. That's not – I don't think that's a massive overcalculation. Do you? Right. No, I absolutely so, not. Thank you. <clears throat> the number one team in the NFL with plays in opponent's territory, the New England Patriots, they've had 16 of their drives, the first two games, end up being in opponent's territory. Five of them, five of those 16 drives have resulted in points. Points. So it's like they get down there. The offense looks good. It's in rhythm. It's in sync. They get into opponent territory, and then it's the interception or the fumble or what has happened a lot is they get down to the edge of field goal range. They take a a sack or it's a holding penalty, and they punt. That is atrocious that you have 16 drives in opponent territory and you have scored points on five of them. You should score. That that should be double digits points you're scoring. I'm not talking touchdowns. I'm saying like they've five times they've either kicked a field goal or scored a touchdown. That's that's really, really bad. So that was the biggest takeaway for me overall with that. And then my last thing, and I'm going to let you, let you go off here for a second. <clears throat> it's not often Kurt's right about a rookie. We've, we've, we've been over this. DeMario Douglas played six snaps on Sunday night. Uh, on the first one, he was targeted right away, made three guys miss, got a first down on a little bubble screen. Second play, second target to him. Mac Jones hits him on a third down, third and seven. He makes a play, makes more people miss, reverses field, makes an makes an incredible play to get up the field. But uh, I think it was Bradley Chubb came from the back and stripped the ball out, forcing a fumble. Very bad timing. But here's my thing. It was an aggressive mistake by a rookie. Now, most rookies in the NFL, someone like DeMario Douglas is a playmaker. Something the Patriots do not have on offense. And so, you know, most teams in the NFL, guy makes a mistake, coach goes up and talks to him, yada, yada, yada. Maybe you limit his snaps a little bit more. But to then bench him for the entirety of the game because Bill Belichick is a stubborn fuck is inexcusable. You were down by one touchdown late in the game. You need you need your playmakers out there. 
You know the Patriots waddle out there? Two mm-hmm. fucking tight ends and Ramondre Stevenson. I'm sorry. That's just not smart football. And after the game, um, I don't Van Ginkle, who looked like a goddamn all pro Miami outside linebacker, was talking about the game and he's like, We actually got really lucky. And the reporter was like, What are you talking about? And he's like, the 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 person on that offense we were most concerned about was Demario Douglas. And Bill Belichick sat him for the entire game after that fumble. So it's like, and then, and then, you know, it gets really fucking old. Bill Belichick gets asked about it in the post game. And he's like, yeah, no, we played all our skill guys. Bill, go fuck yourself. Bruno, I'm going to let you talk. Yeah, Kurt. I mean, it's, I'm definitely with you on the frustration for all of that. I mean, to your first point that you made about, a, the fact that we're leading the league in drives in opponent territory. Didn't know that, so that's crazy. Uh, that we only converted five of those 16. I did know that, unfortunately, and that is equally uh, annoying. Kurt, when you think about how we lost by five in week one, and then when you think about how we lost in seven in week two, thinking about if we had just maybe five more scores on those 16, not touchdowns, just scores, period, to get to double digits, like you said, you know, 10 out of 16, I'm not a math guy. That's not like a 99%. We're not even asking for anything in the A range. We're not even asking for anything in the B range, Kurt. We're looking for like a 50%, maybe 60% success rate on converting that. And Kurt, if we had that, we'd be 2-0. and up. That's just a fucking fact because we lost by 5 and we lost by 7. So that, to your first point, again, that goes to show about how we were in these first two games. Kurt, your second point, I couldn't agree anymore because this is how I'm thinking it. You're the X and those guys. So you can maybe break this down like more intelligently than I'm about to do it. Kurt, when pretty much the the personnel that we're rolling out, right, you can pretty confidently say, looking at the Patriots and what the plays we're running, there's not a guy out there that we're worried about taking to the house. I feel like that just lets the defense play at a level where since they're not worried about that, they can play to their strengths. And like, again, it's it's like it's like in the NFL, like when you only have one thing that's working, the defense doesn't have to key on multiple things, which when the defense has to be responsible for so much, that's when breakdowns can occur. That's when miscoverages can happen. That's when, you know, you can't afford to double a guy, stuff like that. When the defense pretty much knows that the guys aren't going to take it to the house and not a real threat. What are they going to do? They're going to key in on what we're, exactly what we're doing. And Kurt, I completely agree with you. It's not feasible to say we're going to run the guys out there who pretty much have no potential for a big play, right? Not like 0%, but like pretty much don't have that home run capability that you see a lot of other teams have. And we're asking them to do 10 to 15 play drives, marching all the way down and for perfection. Again, no wonder it hasn't been working, right? Because, yeah, we have those moments when the offense is clicking. But to do that all that many times in a row, how many other teams do you see where they have like a three-play drive and the third play is like a 6 year touchdown? When's the last time we had that? Group? It's like, I don't even know. So we're just letting these defenses, like you said, like that Dolphins linebacker said, we're not even they're not even worried about guys breaking off big plays, which allows them to just focus on stopping what we're doing. And sure, they can let up like seven plays where we get like five, six yards of time, but then they just make the stops because they know they're eventually going to. And that's why we're five out of 16 on converting drives. It's crazy. It is crazy. And you raise such a good point here. And I will get X's and O's here for a second because you made this point. <clears throat> Patriots have had a hard time blocking up front. Well, on obvious passing downs, Bruno, these fucking defenses that the Patriots offense has to go against have nothing to worry about because, okay, here's what you're going to do. Let's say out there for the Patriots is Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Mike Kosicki, Hunter Henry, and then you can say it's Juju. You can say it's Ramondre. You can say whoever the fuck you want. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll say it's Juju for right now. 
Okay, mm-hmm. five wide, two tight ends, three receivers. You can you can man up all five of those guys and blitz the other six people. I mean, that means you have a free rusher, and you will not even be worried for a goddamn second that any one of those guys is going to score a touchdown on you if they shake someone loose at the line of scrimmage. Devontae Parker, the worst receiver in the NFL at separation. Not kidding. That's a fact. Yeah. Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster can't run. <laughs> I love Kendrick Bourne. I really like Kendrick Bourne. I think he's wide receiver one for the Patriots at this moment. He doesn't really threaten you deep down the field. He should have caught a deep ball this game, but decided not to use his second yeah. hand. That kind of yeah, killed them early in the game. Uh, and then, okay, maybe Hunter Henry gets open. Maybe a 10-yard gain. Maybe Gasicki gets open. Five-yard gain. The risk versus reward is right. way higher if you're like, I'm going to blitz the fucking piss out of you right now. Um, and that's what they've struggled with. The Patriots, you know, they're not sustaining any. You know, t- Max done a good job of getting the ball quick. But it's like these defenses have nothing to fear with the Patriots. And so they can do things like you made a perfect point. They can do things and play to their strengths and not worry for a goddamn second about you hitting a home run. And it's that's the modern NFL and you just can't do it. I think the last big play the Patriots have had, like I'm talking like one play drive, was the Cowboys game you were at, Kendrick Bourne, double move. I think that was it two years ago. Yeah, sheesh. Like Bruno, I'm pretty down in the dumps. I this, I I, I said this to you uh, on the pick six. I am not a glass half full guy. It's just not <laughs> who I am, and I know that's bad. I'm, but I'm <clears throat> really relatively. I'm ready. I'm relatively pessimistic when it comes to sports teams because I kind of hedge it where I'm like, oh, like I thought they were going to lose, and like I can say I told you so, or like. I'll be, oh, I'm really happy that they won the game, but I didn't think they were going to. I said it on the pick six. I hadn't been this confident in a, in a Patriot game since the goddamn 2017 Super Bowl to the Eagles, which we lost. Well, apparently next time, I'm just going to keep my goddamn mouth shut when I'm this confident <laughs> because it does not go well for me. I thought this was a perfect storm. The Chargers just ran for 250 yards against them. The defense yeah. didn't look very good in that game. I was like, "Oh, we have the weapons to match up with the with the with the Dolphins skill guys." And then we just come out and we laid another fucking egg. And early in the game, when the Patriots went no huddle and it was up tempo, it was good. But they can't they are not a good enough football team to keep digging themselves into a 16-0 start against the Eagles and a 17 to three star against Dolphins. They're simply not good enough. Yeah, Kurt, I completely agree. And again, this just goes back to what you said earlier in that it's so crazy because there is a world where we could be two and O with wins over the team that made the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl runner up last year. And one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL this year. That's the crazy part of all of this. And there, it, again, it's not even like you were that wrong. Like, I know that sounds crazy to say, cause we lost, but like, we weren't that far off from being the Dolphins, which is just like, that's just maddening. Like, and now like that goes back to our conversation about where we are as a team. Like, where are we? Are we a team that has the talent and that's just never going to be able to put it together? Because where does that ever lead you? Like changing coaches out, maybe that leads you to where the Chargers are now, which is like they have talent. Like maybe that's what we're looking at for the ceiling of this Bill Belichick coached and Mac Jones led team. Like I'm not saying for sure, but like that's what we're staring at. Some world where the Chargers where it's like we have all the talent and people just know we're going to blow it somehow. So 
it's crazy, Kurt. It's crazy. And and I don't know, again, it's tough because it's like, it's not like, it's not like one of these things where we can just shake our heads and be like, this is a disaster. There's no, like, again, we can't just be like, oh, it's horrible. There's nothing to see, like blow it up, whatever. Like there's clearly some good happening. But like, like you said, the hallmark of this team over the last recent seasons has been not being able to put together the full package, not be able to maintain it consistently over the course of not only a whole game, but a whole season. So listen, like, could we go in and somehow beat the Jets next? Not somehow, like the Jets aren't that good. But like, could we beat the Jets next week and have like a great game? And now it's like, oh my God, the Patriots got their first win. Sure. Like, are we going to have some of those games this year where maybe we look like we're all together? Sure. But like, again, if there's no consistency and no gradual improvement and there's no ramping up, we're just staring at another season where it's like, we're going to get some wins against like the average and bad teams. And then we're going to lose against the good teams and probably have some bad losses too. Well, here's the thing. You've played two one score games and you've lost both of them. Yeah. Uh, and your schedule is fucking hard. So you're going to play a lot of good teams and you're getting to beat yeah. some of these good teams and you're, yeah. you <clears throat> have refused to do so in the first half. Bruno, I want to talk a little bit of the defense quickly before we kind of wrap yeah. things up here. Sure. So, like I said, I just kind of dick rode Mike McDaniel for a little bit earlier about how he's kind of changing the NFL with what he's doing. Um, that Miami offensive performance with the pre-snap motion, the motion right at the snap, the RPOs, the post-wheel concepts, the slant-wheel concepts, the, the, the way that Miami was able to completely dictate the flow of the game with whatever they wanted to do offensively was mind numbing. Now with sometimes that motion teetered on the edge of being borderline illegal, like literally borderline illegal because yeah, <laughs> like some of these motions looked like they were going towards the line of scrimmage, which is obviously not allowed in the NFL. Um, but they did it. They didn't get called for it, um, which is fine. But like, it put the Patriots in some very disadvantageous disadvantageous positions um, with some of their matchups and what they wanted to do. Now, Bill Belichick went into this game and the first couple of drives went out there with three deep safeties. It was just like, <laughs> you can dink and dunk all the fuck you want down this field. You are not beating us deep. Now, while that's all well and good, Bruno, Marcus Jones ends up getting hurt in the first quarter at the second drive of this game. Pretty badly. Bad shoulder injury. The Patriots were without Jonathan Jones, the guy who has largely shut down uh, Tyree Kill throughout his career. They're without Jack Jones, who was out for two months. And then they lose Marcus Jones. They lost three Joneses. They lost three Joneses in the secondary. You know what that left them with to to try to guard Waddle, Tyree Kill, Braxton Berrios, Mostert, so on and so forth? It was Christian. Christian Gonzalez, Miles Bryant, Sean Wade, and the cast of characters in this as safeties. But <laughs> Bruno, uh, uh, if I see Jalen Waddle on Miles Bryant, I'm literally <laughs> erect if I'm doing a tongue of my love. <laughs> if, I see, if I see Braxton Berrios on Sean Wade, I'm, I'm erect then too. So it's just like the Patriots didn't really have the horses to compete, and yet they still competed and were in the game. That's what's crazy. The offense let them down again, but like Bruno, I 
you would think after saying that Tyree Kill would go off for the 250 yards or whatever he had against the uh, Chargers. He didn't. You want to know what Tyreek's stat line was, Bruno? Read it to me. Oh, I'll be reading it to you. He had five oh. receptions for 40 yards, one touchdown, which was a nice little play, uh, and nine targets. That is very much keeping Tyree Kill in check. Now, we would take that all day. Oh, Every team would take that. Dude, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And this is where I'm like, oh, maybe Bill hasn't lost it. But like, the defense gave you a chance to win the game. Now, like I said, Miami dictated exactly the way they wanted it to go. But the ball possession was 30 minutes and 30 minutes. It was directly down the middle. But it just felt like Miami could do kind of whatever they wanted. They'd pick up big third downs, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Um, but again, this defense gave you a chance for, with some timely stops late. The uh, Christian Gonzalez interception, huge. The missed uh, field goal because field goal. of the yep. snap late, big. The blocked kick, and no, it's special teams, but that yep. was a stroke of genius. Yep. Um, it the defense gave you a shot, and you just you couldn't you couldn't really do it. The backbreaker defensively. Christian Gonzalez makes the interception. The Patriots offense only down by a touchdown, 17-10. Here we go. Here we go. They go three and out. And the Patriots punt back to Miami, and Miami gets 12 yards better field position from when Tua threw the pick. And then on the first play of that fucking drive, Raheem Moster, a.k.a. Barry yeah. Sanders, takes it to the end zone, 43 yards. He didn't even get touched. Zero yards after contact, 43-yard touchdown. Unacceptable from the defense in that regard, but they gave you a chance and you couldn't do it. Yeah, Kurt. I, and, and that's been the crazy thing about this year. Playing two low-key slash not low-key slash high-key explosive offenses, especially with a lot of the pieces from last year and how they still have all the personnel from this year. The fact that we are allowing 24.5 points per game and even some of those, like the Eagles had the pick six in week one. So that's not even 24.5 offensive points. So we're probably on defense allowing like 22 points a game right now against the Eagles and the Dolphins. And you're telling me we couldn't even score more than 24 or 25 points to, to beat either of those good teams? Like that's why it's so frustrating. That's that's literally it, why it's so frustrating. No, you're right. Um, I do want to give Christian Gonzalez his flowers here pretty quickly. Sure. He was ranked the number one cornerback in the NFL this weekend. He had like a ninety, yeah. like a ninety-one grade from PFF, and I think PFF is is okay sometimes. I don't, I wouldn't call it the Bible. I think some of it is yeah. flawed. Um, Damn, you just called the Bible flawed. I'm gonna get that sound bite right there. You sh- thank you. <laughs> you <laughs> um, but it's uh, you know. When 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 you heard no Jonathan Jones, that was problematic. Right. When Marcus right. Jones left the game, who was the matchup on Tyreek, that was problematic. Bruno, PFF had <clears throat> there were uh, sixteen snaps in this game where Christian Gonzalez, the rookie, was mm-hmm. lined up one on one with Tyreek Hill. Sixteen snaps. Uh Tyreek was targeted on four of them. Only one completion on Christian Gonzalez for six yards. I'll tell you what. That is 
wildly impressive to do. They're not the same type of player. Christian Gonzalez is a little taller. He's fast. He's smooth. He's, he's lean. But Tyree Kill is a burner. And the fact that he was able to, to do that is incredibly, incredibly impressive of Christian Gonzalez. Yeah. And, and when you think about it, like Tyreek, I'm sure you can put him in the conversation for best receiver in the league where he leads the conversation is being like the fastest, the speediest, the quickest. So again, that's only a good thing moving forward. If we can say, again, I know it doesn't always work with this on paper, but if we have Christian Gonzalez able to lock down literally the fastest receiver in the NFL, theoretically, he is, he'll be able to, that should give him at least the confidence that he can keep up with anyone. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else on the Pats? Are you good? Um, I got two things on the Pats, Kurt. Number one, you know what kind of hurts? Uh, this isn't going to make it better, but you know what kind of hurts? Yes, the two offenses that we've played so far this season, we we had this conversation at the beginning of the year, but like offenses aren't in midseason peak form yet. We all know that. They're still working out the kinks. That being said, this defense has held the Eagles and the Dolphins to 25 and 24 points with, again, not all of those coming from those teams' offenses. Think about just what our defense would be fully healthy right now. Like literally just think about that. That would be insane. Like we're we're having these kind of efforts with like our whole secondary missing and like people being injured left and right. Like I that like that gets me also excited. Then it also just makes me sad because it's like, well, then what the fuck? How can we not put up enough points on offense to win? But that's just a crazy thought that maybe at some point this year we'll be able to throw out that full defense. And Kurt, who knows what that full defense would look like at some point this year? Who knows? Yeah, and like with a healthy offensive line too, and the other side of things, like it looks like the offensive line is all gonna be out there this week for the Jets. Which, uh, thank God, pal, because Mac <laughs> Jones might fucking die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kurt, I don't have anything more from this game, but I have one thing for looking forward. Do you have anything else for this game, or can I uh, say my looking forward point? Control, alt, delete. And then moving on. <laughs> All right. So, Kurt, moving on here, you already touched on it, but let me just set the scene for the next four games, right? We're 0 2, and this is just, this is, this is what the situation is. We got the Jets this week. I would probably call this a must win if you just want to be relevant this year. If we don't care and we're irrelevant and we're going to be an average team, this isn't a must win. If we want to do anything this year, this is a must win. Playing the Jets, we've won 14 in a row against the Jets. So not only would that streak be broken, which would be sad and also kind of funny, but we don't want to be the team that Zach Wilson gets to win against. That's certainly not what we want to be. We're playing the Cowboys in week four. Scared, nervous. I don't want to face your uncle. I don't want to face the Cowboys. I don't want either of those things. That's probably a loss. We play the Saints and then the Raiders in week five and week six. Kurt, if we don't end the first six games, three and three, like the three wins being the Jets, Saints, and Raiders, which I would argue very strongly are all winnable games for the Patriots. If we don't end this six game stretch, three and three, the season's over. I don't even care. I don't care for two and four. If we're not three and three at the end of just six games, Kurt, in an AFC, yes, they lost the Jets as like a playoff contender, but in an AFC that's so good, we're obviously not winning the division. We're gonna have to compete against the wild in the wild card race. We're going against teams in our division that are probably gonna beat us for the wild card spot. We got in the Chargers division, we got the Broncos maybe gonna figure it out. We have the Chargers maybe gonna figure it out. The Chiefs are probably gonna win that division. You know, the Titans, I wouldn't even bet on us if we played the Titans right now. You know, so it's like there are there's all these good wild card contenders. If we're not at least three and three, Kurt, I, I it's done. We're not make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I'll. I will. If we lose this week to the Jets, I will done chain us in week three. Mm. Um, yeah, <clears throat> Chargers are zero and two. Bengals are zero and two. Like some teams, you would just expect to figure it out and go to the playoffs are zero and two. Yeah. Yep. You you yep. had a chance to get up on them and you are laying down. Yep. Dead. So, uh, Bruno, buckle up. Pick six is going to be wild this week. 
Yeah, <laughs> Kurt, everything's going great. We're super happy. So, uh, yeah, fixes can be good, Kurt. Uh, I would trade all of my two weeks of success success on the pick six for the Patriots to be good. But maybe this is the year that the, it's like the scale. I'm finally able to like have a good pick six record, and the Patriots are just booty cheeks. Wonderful, lovely, beautiful. Whatever. Fucking end this <laughs> shit. Let's go. Fucking it. All right, Kurt. Well, listen, it is doom and gloom. It's not all doom and gloom, but there's a lot of it. We're hoping to at least be able to get the double over the Jets this week. So, like Kurt said, we're going to try to rally the troops. We're trying to get that first win of the year. Kurt's also going to try to get his first pick six win of the year this Sunday. Uh, hopefully, we're both picking the Patriots. We're going to do a little more thinking, but hopefully, we're going to both pick the Patriots. Kurt is feeling in a lovely mood right now. Good thing the audience can't see the video because he's the blatant disrespect he showed me, shoving a Christian cross right down my face when I simply out here just trying to celebrate Rosh Hashanah. The disrespect. But you know what? The Patriots have disrespected me more than Kurt has this year, so I'm not even going to take it on Kurt. I'm taking it on the Patriots. Kurt looks like he's ready for bed. It's it's late. We've had ourselves a wonderful day and a wonderful time. So, as always, we will see you next time on Playing the Field. Goodbye, bitches.